Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Maeve McClendigan, and this is The Tip-Off, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes of some of the UK's best investigative journalism. When you start an investigation, you don't always know where it's going to lead. Some end in failure. This is one of those stories. Well, at least it starts that way. My name is Billy Kenber, and I'm an investigations reporter at The Times. This is a story about pharmaceuticals. It's not an area that Billy was particularly interested in. No, not at all. Uh, I had never done anything on it before. Um, not especially, I don't have a, any sort of background in science and it was never um, particularly my thing. As an investigations reporter, Billy was used to turning his hand to a lot of things. In the past, he'd dug into students cheating at university exams or charity bosses pocketing huge sums. But at the start of last year, he had begun thinking about the pharmaceutical industry, and one potential money-making scheme had caught his eye. It's something called pay-for-delay, which is a phenomenon that's been seen a little bit in the UK, but largely in the US, and it's essentially where a drug company has invented a big new blockbuster, blockbuster drug. The um, patent is, is about to come to an end, and they pay off rival companies for, say, a period of a year or two years two years to not bring in a, a, a competing product so that they can still have a monopoly. It's the kind of thing that happens a lot in the United States of America. So could this be happening over here, Billy thought? I started trying to look for um, court cases or um, anything along those lines. There was, there's basically been one big case in the UK and it dates back about 15 years at this stage, but it was only recently, fairly recently wrapped up. Um, so I was essentially speaking to people and, and trying to dig the documents that would see if there were other similar cases, even maybe at an earlier stage, or um, and, and just and going through things like there are various databases which try and collect when patents are due to run out and which drugs are particular blockbusters that might be ripe for this sort of behaviour. He looked and he looked, but actually there wasn't much there. It could have been game over then a journalistic hunch that just didn't play out in reality. But there was one thing that Billy came across that had caught his attention. As part of the kind of preliminary preliminary research for the paper delay stuff, I was just trying to get hold of whatever documents were put out there on drugs and prices and patents. And, and one of these is a thing called the drug tariff, which the um, 
NHS puts out uh, once a month and it lists it's a complicated document, but it essentially lists prices that the the current price that the NHS is paying for drugs. And a few months earlier, there had been a big scandal in the U.S., which you may remember. Popping a pill before bed that costs about $13.50. Now imagine waking up the next morning to find that the price of the exact same pill jumped to $750 overnight. That is just what happened to one drug. At the center of this scandal in the U.S. was a man called Martin Shkreli. You might have heard of him. He was the guy who bought up the rights to a HIV drug and then hiked up the price. And uh, we also feel that this is the more appropriate price for Daraprim. Uh, at this price, Daraprim is still actually on the low end of what orphan drugs cost. And we're certainly not the first company to raise drug it prices. It was a move that really outraged the US. But to all intents and purposes, Shrelly was playing within the limits, the rules of this system. So now Billy had this pricing database from the NHS, and he wondered if anything similar could be happening over here. So I had an inkling that if there were um, big price rises, it would be interesting to see. The, the key question was who's behind them, and is it the same people again and again? And essentially, is there someone who's in the UK who's doing what this guy is happy to do in the US, and he's kind of braggy about it and doesn't mind being the kind of figure of hate? Are there equivalent companies in the UK who were just quietly making a killing. And so when I got hold of the drug tariff and um, started looking through it, I did kind of quick back of the envelope calculations uh, of the kind of increases there had been, I think, initially over a three-year period. And immediately, it was obvious there were quite a lot of very big percentage increases of like 1,000, 2,000, 5,000%. So forgetting the pay delay idea, Billy turned all his attention to the pricing data. He pulled it all into a spreadsheet and did some simple calculations, looking at percentage rises over time. Yeah, I created a big um, um, I created a big Excel document. Um, I'm sure people that are better at that sort of thing could have done it much more rapidly and neatly. Um, but I, I nevertheless managed to to do it where it was comparing whether there'd been a change in category and giving prices and I think an annual basis and then a percentage increase and that sort of thing. Um, and that allowed me to focus in, I think, initially on about 20 or 30 drugs. Pretty soon he had a list of questions that he wanted answered. Who was who was making these drugs? Who was supplying these drugs? And therefore, who's responsible for these increases? Um, how much does that cost in the NHS? How widely prescribed are they? Um, what other factors might there be in what in these increases? Was it justifiable, essentially? Was there some big manufacturing cost, a difficult manufacturing process that, that had changed that, that justified it? Was there some problem with the active ingredient um, that similarly caused, caused issues? Or, or was this, as it kind of initially appeared to be, just from the percentages and from the numbers in, of, of drugs involved, but essentially profiteering companies that are just putting the price up because they know they can get away with it and they know it will bring in a lot of money? Billy started to pull in as much information as he could. The regulator publishes a list of, of people that uh, have been granted licences each month and that I managed to get the um, historic data for that. I can't remember whether I had to FOI it or whether I just asked. Um, and then there was also a database I got hold of, which was the transfers of licences when they were sold between companies. Through these various databases, it was able to start to see the companies behind these drugs in amongst the names of all those drugs, in hundreds of rows on the spreadsheet, there are a few drugs that seem particularly interesting. So, so one of the, I think the, the example with the biggest percentage increase was a, um, a drug called uh, hydrocortisone, which is a 
It's a steroid. It's a, a treatment for thyroid problems often, um, things like Addison's disease. And that had gone up from, I think, 70p to £88 for one dosage, which is a, I believe, 12,500% increase. Now, that could have been a story in its own right. But Billy wanted to look deeper to see if there was something more systematic going on. I don't. I think I was. I was always more. I was more shocked and more surprised, and, and more interested in the fact that there were a patents behind this and a group of companies behind this than kind of the individual price rises. Because I always I knew from the beginning that there was no point in doing a story about an individual price rise. Like that would. I mean, there is a point in doing it, but that wasn't what the purpose of the investigation was. It was the focus was, was always on the patent and who's behind it and who is profiting from this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So when we left off, Billy had stumbled onto something interesting figures in a database that seemed to suggest some common drugs were being sold at huge markups. But he wanted to go deeper. Who was behind all of this? Bit by bit, he started to put the pieces together. And a pattern started to emerge. It was, it was only one, one or two companies with a licence, and they were the same companies. Um, but it was clearly a group of companies, and there were, the numbers of drugs involved, it seemed to be more than just let's see what we can do with this one drug. It seemed to be an actual a business model almost. 
but there was one company that set itself up seemingly purely to do this. I think it had four or five drugs at this point, and they just they literally just doubled the price of those drugs every six months. Suddenly, it looked like he was really onto something. This data seemed to suggest that a handful of companies were cashing in. That's obviously that's quite an exciting moment. That's a, that's where you where you realise this is a kind of bigger story and a bigger scandal than just individual. This is an outrageous price of this specific medicine. Um, but this was the this was when it clicked that this wasn't just coincidence. This was a specific, deliberate method of business by by a group of companies. Now, normally at this stage, you might go to an expert, run your methodology by them to confirm if what you're seeing looks right. But that wasn't so easy this time. I spoke to a few academics and they didn't really have an answer. Um, and I, maybe I just didn't find the right academics. Um, but no one, no one at that point had seemed to have a, a really have a clear understanding of how the drug tariff worked. So he was kind of on his own. And this was a, a complicated world regulators and rules that he hadn't come across before. So it took a while just to get his head around the system. Say, for example, how the prices of drugs were even worked out and in the first a place. Kind of a, a mechanism of, of working out the price for category A, which there's two named big wholesalers and two big manufacturers, and they basically average those out. But if there's only one manufacturer behind the whole thing, it doesn't matter. And getting all those details right was important. Not least because I knew, and it's and it proved to be the case that when it came time to start talking to these companies and giving them a chance to respond, their immediate response was, you don't understand how this works, it's very complicated, and it's, we're not culpable, we're not the ones responsible for the price. The NHS sets the price and they approve the price and they're happy with it, so what's the problem? Um, so there was a long process of, of just understanding how the system worked. But once he had his head round all that, Billy stepped back and looked at what he had. Started to get hold of the information on prescription costs and that sort of thing, which shows you exactly how much the NHS has spent on these drugs. And they were literally going from costing half a million a year to costing 40 or 50 million a year. Um, and, and across the whole lot, it was getting close to half a billion. Once he had all that clear, it was time to start looking into just who was behind these companies. Um, but, but once you have a company name, there's, um, there's a, a registry of, of companies in, in the UK. Um, which is now, I think, freely available on the internet called Companies House. And, it, and it's quite a straightforward, uh, although sometimes time-consuming process, in that each company has to disclose the shareholders, their details, um, some accounts, depending on the size of the company, related parties. And it's just a question of, of tracking through um, who are the key shareholders across the businesses, following the, the, the profits through, what sort of turnover are these um, guys doing, what sort of profits are they are they making, um, and, and then building up a kind of wider picture of, of who these people are. So where do they live? What, do they, um, what have they done in the press before? Behind one of the companies were two brothers from Essex, Biku and Vijay Patel. Billy found out that the millionaire brothers lived in grand mansions. And a quick cutting search revealed various stories praising their success as rag to riches heroes. And there was a nice, um, there was a, a, a kind of easy contrast to be made. But the, the guys behind these companies, particularly the, the company that we featured most prominently on, on the first day, they clearly cared about their reputation. They made a look, they did some philanthropy that they were keen people to be aware of. They held various honorary degrees from from places they did talks they won awards for uh, entrepreneurship or similar kind of commercial awards and it just seemed um 
quite, you know, shocking contrast that, that they're being held up as these examples of, um, of great businessmen and great role models. And actually, this is, you know, this, this is what they're actually up to. Billy found that the Patel brothers owned Atnas, a company that specialised in buying the rights to older medications that are still used by patients but are no longer of interest to major pharmaceutical companies. They bought up the rights to produce Sinopin, an antidepressant drug. In the course of just a few years, the price of a packet of that antidepressant rose from £3.77 to £97. That spike in price meant that the drug cost the NHS £5.1 million last year, up from 400000 in 2013. At first the Patels declined to comment, but later their company issued a statement saying that it acquires the rights to make medicines from large pharmaceutical companies at significant upfront costs. It said that it then spends significant money on ensuring that the medicines are in line with the latest regulatory, medical and technical standards. It wasn't just the Patels. Billy found another businessman linked in all that data. No, but there was a, a guy um, called Anil Sharma. Sharma had a company that Billy kept finding in his databases. It seemed that soon after this guy's company sold a patent on, the price of the drug would jump up. And this seemed to be making Sharma huge profits. He, he made about 100 million, I calculated, um, from the sale of these licenses effectively but he sold the companies each time and therefore it was trackable through companies house accounts but who was this guy billy did some digging around online and he soon found an instagram account belonging to sharma's son he pulled up the photos they told their own story you know luxury cars outside the front of their house and father and son in a in a nightclub with a magnum of vodka and and all sorts of other um shenanigans which just help illustrate a story basically they, they um you know some of this stuff is very technical and transfer of licenses is, very, is quite technical and it i think it's a, a more readable story if you can liven it up with um with details like that in a statement issued to billy via his lawyer anil sharma said that the price rises were beyond his control and that the licenses were sold at valuations that reflected the price of the medicine at that time, without any regard to potential price increases which a buyer might impose. With all that information, rows of data in huge databases, complicated pricing rules and a wealth of colourful details about the men involved, Billy had to work out how to write it all up. Yeah, I mean, I think inevitably when you spend um, several months researching a story and you end up with a Google document that, I don't know how many pages it was, but um, dozens certainly, um, and all these drugs and all these companies and all the evidence behind it, you end up with a, an article or a series of articles that, that even then only only represent a kind of a fraction of what you've discovered, hopefully the most important elements, but certainly um, not everything there's a lot there's a lot you have to leave out and there's a lot you you kind of try and pack in and every word is important not just for the storytelling with a story this complex and legally fraught the lawyers at the times had to carefully pick over all of billy's copy you have to be very sure of yourself and you have to be very sure you're not overstepping yourself at any point and that every little bit that you mention every drug you mention is that definitely the case in that one that they were 
these prices changed at, at this time or whatever detail it is. Yeah, there's an, there's an immense amount of, um, of picking over that. But finally, it was ready to go. Time to publish. We put it on the front page two days in a row, um, which was, I think, an important part of, um, of provoking that response. Um, and they got in touch with lots of tips or areas that I hadn't explored yet. Billy had revealed a side industry costing the NHS hundreds of millions of pounds a year with some drug prices being hiked up by more than 12,500%. And he'd found examples where people had been taken off life-changing drugs, which were working, because the prices had skyrocketed and the medicines were no longer considered affordable. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the public reaction to the stories was shock and anger. I mean, I had over 100 emails within 48 hours or so of the story lots of people ringing in and lots of people saying look at this drug you haven't mentioned this one or the other side of it why isn't the NHS doing anything about this and people getting in touch saying I tried to blow the whistle on this drug two years ago or I tried to blow it on this one three years ago whatever it was Um, so it was very quickly apparent there was just masses more and that it kind of really touched a nerve I mean I think the NHS is always a sensitive subject you know kind of a a hot button topic and at a time of austerity and strained budgets and all the rest of it, I think this kind of very egregious, just totally unjustified um, profiteering just looked as such to people and was such a start. I mean, it's almost kind of, there's no, it's like movie villainy, there's no subtlety to to, um, to some of the stuff. So um, I think that kind of touched home in a way. Sometimes you can publish a story, people get up in arms, but then the whole thing blows over quite quickly. Nothing really changes, and that can be hugely frustrating. But that didn't happen this time. You see, one day, Billy got a phone call. On the other end of the line was a government press officer. Um, the, well, the Department of Health rang me up and said, uh, you might be interested in this. We're announcing uh, this law we're going to try and pass. Um, no, I mean, that was that's obviously very nice. Uh, I mean, you kind of do this kind of journalism because you want to have a, an impact and you want to um, be a kind of force for um, for positive change. I, I don't, you know, a law is a very specific um, kind of measurable outcome and you don't necessarily need that for a story to be a success, but it's, um, it's definitely um, pleasing. Seeing a new law passed in reaction to your work is something most journalists can only imagine. But for Billy, there was something that was even better. The kind of most gratifying part of doing this story was getting the messages from patients on a particular drug who were doctors are trying to take them off it because it's become too expensive, saying, um, thank you for explaining what's happening. And we were just we were so confused as to why this drug that's been around for so long has just suddenly become so expensive and it's having such um, significant consequences for us in our daily lives. And um, now, now we know the answer and now we can use that to you know try and pressure for that to stop happening um so that i mean that's much more that's the most gratifying thing i think so there you go the story of how one journalist set off on the path to investigate one thing and ended up with a completely different story it's been well over a year since that first story ran and billy's been working on other things but he's also continued to report on this issue that first story ran um 15 months ago um, and I've, I've 
not kind of, sort of still going essentially on the same investigation. It, it's just turned out to be a, an extremely ripe area for investigation. Um, how many stories did you do you have a kind of running tally on? On this topic? Um, there is a tally and I can't remember what it is. I mean, definitely, definitely over 20. Thanks to Billy Kemper. There's links to his stories in the show notes. And thanks to all of you for listening. We're putting out episodes fortnightly now, and it's been just amazing to see the lovely reviews on iTunes and tweets or Facebook comments about the show. You can find us on social media at Tip Off Podcast. They really keep me going, so thank you very much. That's all for this episode. Our theme tune, as always, is by Dice Muse, and other music in this episode is by Poddington Bear. Next time on the Tip Off. We started talking about music, and then it kind of hit us in the sense that, well, why don't we see if we can use sound as a reporting tool? How do you take a spreadsheet and put it to music? The team behind Climate Symphony explore a whole new way of telling investigative stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.